talk show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat. From barn fresh to concour ready, Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news and the biggest names in rolling thunder right in your ears. Let's welcome your show hosts, 30 plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars, Mark Catfish Groves, and freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Road, Road Muscle, Muscle Radio is on the air. Welcome back. Buckle up and be sure to check out Road Muscle Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and at RoadMuscleRadio.com for links, our blog. I'm going to start putting some events up. Because events are starting to pop up. And it's good to have them back. Oh, my God. That makes me so happy. Speaking uh, of having them back, oh, my God, we're in the same room. This is so weird, <laughs> huh? I, I'm Catfish Groves. I'm Brett Hatfield. And we are in the um, Magnificent Cowlick Media Podcast Studio. Spacious. Isn't it? Isn't it Glorious. just something? Coming up, we're going to talk about a Buick muscle car that your dad wanted to be his. Uh, was it your dad's Buick? Probably not, because they no. were very collectible, but I bet he wanted it. Uh, a Mustang dragster that's breaking records and paradigms, plus six muscle cars you've probably never heard of because it's hard to do a Cars and Coffee with, you know, Central America in between the way. There's a couple of them you probably didn't want to hear about, too. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then our special guest today is Susie Bowder, a an autocross driver and grandma and rancher, who decided her winning build to hit the races is a uh, is a 1963 Rambler American wagon. Yeah, but you say it out loud. That isn't what this thing looks like. Oh no, it's it's a kick ass demon, <laughs> and I'm I'm looking forward to chatting with her. Uh, you can look for it. It was in a SEMA video from 2017. That just oh, and probably baby. from 16 or 18. I, I I forget which other year it was. It made it twice. Oh my god. Nice. So this will be cool. And that's all coming up now. What have you been doing the past week? Okay. Well, I did stupid stuff. Uh, (laughs) And shock. (laughs) Last week, I was talking about looking at old Harleys, and I thought maybe I found one and doing homework on it and all that. And uh, instead of just looking at it online, I went and bought it. Mm. Dude, you got my dad's disease. I went he always it. used to do that. He would go cruise car lots, and we would be like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just looking. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, three years were about to pass up, and the warranty was about to end on whatever car he was currently driving. And he was just looking, 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 bam. No, I wouldn't. I went and bought it. <laughs> Is it nice? Is it a good ride? You know, it's a really, really pretty bike. It's one I've been trying to hunt down for a long time. It's a 93 Softail Heritage Nostalgia, uh, real Harley heads will know it as a Moog Glide. Came with oh, yes. yeah. came with Holstein hide on the seats, seat back, uh, sissy bar back, and the saddlebags. No, nice. black and white, red and silver pinstripes on it. It's a really gorgeous bike. Just needs a little attention, little TLC. Yeah. Uh, but it's gonna come along. It's very very pretty and. I've been sitting in my garage at night staring at it and drooling and <laughs> polishing parts did, and did, making everything. Did you have the door pretty. slightly open, have a cigar going sometimes, just sit there with a little drink going, yeah. No, I yeah. took my butt out there and set up a lawn chair and just sat myself in front of it. <laughs> Which is a good place to be if you got a rag in one hand and a bottle of chrome polish in the other. You know, not half bad. Not so, half bad. What? No rust? Come on, man. No rust, never racked, 
low miles, only 14,000 miles on wow. it. Uh, it's okay. in pretty good shape, minimal nicks, but nothing I can't address. Had new tires coming, a little bit of chrome coming, going to do some work. That yeah. dog's going to hunt. Yeah. Sit there with a, it's got Vance and Heisen's exhaust on it. Sit there and listen to it go potato, 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 <laughs> potato. Daddy-like. Mm-hmm. Now, you also today, for your pops, speaking of daddy-like. Okay. Yeah, spill the beans. All right. Uh, Dad was uh, working on one of his projects. Oh, good Lord, he's working on one of his projects. <laughs> oh, Dad. <laughs> I was at home trying to help prep the show and others. Sitting in front of the computer, the old man calls me. He says, you know, I've been watching this truck on Bring a Trailer. Bring Okay. Okay. 57 Chevy Cameo pickup. Resto mod uh, with nice leather interior and a mildly built 454, which a cameo doesn't need to move it. And no rust on this one either. No, lots of shiny. Lots, lots of shiny. shiny. <laughs> and I was bidding for dad uh, and got the high bid, thought we won the sucker. They sent an email saying, No, you didn't make reserve. What? So for 15 minutes, dad and I are all excited and talking about all this stuff we're going to do, and then we didn't get it. However, guy called him back this afternoon, gave him a price. The old man says he's chewing on it. They're not that far <gasps> away. So we'll oh. see what becomes of that. But there may be another hot rod in the Hatfield stable. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys. I mean, seriously. Noise ordinances. Your whole family. Damn it. Warehouse. <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> Chew that. Well, uh, we've had uh, that going on. So let's let's get into the... Wait, 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 wait. You had to have looked at something. Oh, you know, I... Uh-huh. It's what I do, uh-huh. and I actually would you believe this or not? I made myself stop looking for a few days. Well, you had to because last I checked, the last one you had was on the eastern seaboard. You couldn't go any further without hitting water. Everything I like is too damn far away, and it's making me very angry. <laughs> I'm getting really disappointed and disillusioned in America because ha- your damn cars, the ones that I can afford, are not freaking near me. I hate to be an enabler, but. <laughs> Need I remind you, I have a truck. We have access to flatbed trailers. This doesn't take that much to go. Well, the the one, okay, the one that I'm kind of, my heart's beating a little hard for, uh, and I've made myself not call the guy because I already contacted via um, uh, Facebook uh, Instant Messenger, mm-hmm. and it was the, the wife who said, oh, my husband is the one who knows all about the vehicle, mm-hmm. and here's his personal, you know, cell phone, la, 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 and I'm like, here we go. <gasps> No, not yet, not yet, because it's just so far away. But, you know, all the pictures, it, it they, they must put filters on them because mm-hmm. they're so pretty. Everything th- shot through a soft lens? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it's a uh, 62 Chrysler New Yorker mm. <laughs> that is this kind of blue on dark blue, and the interior is practically meant there's a split in the driver's side seat in one seam. That's it. It's That's got easy. that kind of space-age curved... Um, uh, dashboard speedometer mm-hmm. and everything else. All the pictures are just, you know, now, stupid if, clean. If only you knew somebody who knew how to stitch automotive interiors. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I've got to, you know, I got to get, I got to get down to brass tacks on that one and, and get serious. Or it, uh, it will happen like every other one that I do, so that I can feel better about myself. I'll bet if I get on Facebook Marketplace and look around, I can find me a commercial sewing machine. <laughs> I, uh, you know, that, that's what I've been looking at that one. And I, that's the one I returned to and I'm like, Oh, now there is, okay. There is a 68, uh, the other one, 68 Plymouth, 
Oh, hell bells. What is that? Is it not a satellite? It's this. Sebring? I think so. It, it's that big orange one with the black top I showed you that's in really good condition oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. up in Nebraska. Yeah. And just a good looking vehicle. And with some, you know, if I, if I did some serious kind of talking back and forth, I might be able to get him down into my neighborhood because he's pretty close. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to decide whether that's square enough of a car is one that I can, uh, I can put the boogie down with. It is. So, because that, that it's New Yorker yours, has of course goofy it is. curves. And then this one has that, it's just got a stupid looking front end that I love. It reminds me of like if Batman had, you know, some type of weird disease and his bat light looked wrong. It's got the pointy sides and then mm-hmm. kind of narrow in the middle. And mm-hmm. it, uh, it just looks both aggressive and kind of stupid, like the big dumb jock. And I love it. You know, so. you keep going this way. I'm going to talk you into a 74 Dodge Monaco yet. Oh, we'll get you a blues mobile, baby. That uh, there. Uh, okay, and then I'm going to shut up about this because I I always do. One of the other ones that got saved, and I think I've shown that to you, is I believe a '71 Chrysler that's a uh, uh, blue, come on, with a black top, and it is this massive damn beast, and I believe it's a two door. <laughs> And it's just this monster Chrysler, and I'm like, oh, you sweet thing. And what I'm trying to figure out is how long I want to stay married. Because if Mark, I buy you gotta that, do this while gas is cheap. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> you're not kidding there, man. So anyway, so that's what I've been doing. Most of mine have been, you know, pipe dreams and fear. And, no, uh, <laughs> no, I'm gonna shove you over the cliff. What is it in the movie Soldier? Uh, fear and discipline. And that's all I feel. So anyway, uh, that's my deal. Let's go on to the news. So HotCars.com had a great article on the Buick GNX, which was the final year of the Grand National run, 84 to 87. Yeah. Okay. Grand Nationals. Now, I vaguely remember those. One of my cousins, I think, had one. Okay. Take a two-door Buick Regal. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 3.8 liter with a turbo on it. Okay. Okay. Little 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 punch. Give her the Darth Vader treatment. Black all over outside. No chrome. No shiny bits. No nothing. Everything glossy and black. That's awfully aggressive for a Buick. And then a uh, black and gray velour interior. <laughs> yeah. Eighties yeah. baby. Eighties. Nineteen eighty-seven. I remember you well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you give her the Darth Vader, but then the final year for the GNX. They breathed on it a little bit. Buick and McLaren Motors at the end of the, uh, I think it was 85, Indy 500, agreed to make a special limited run at the end of the Grand National run in 87. They'd do 500 cars and breathe on them pretty heavy. Well, it wound up being 547. Now, one thing the article did not mention in this, yeah, the feds took 50 of them. What? Yeah. Little bit of trivia for you, GNX trivia. The Why? feds, the FBI, and a couple other alpha, alphabet soup agencies used these for God knows what. I don't know. Going out and having parties <laughs> on Friday afternoon. Fox, Scully. Yeah. You didn't tell us about this. Fox, Scully, and horsepower. <laughs> uh, the GNXs, the, the regular Grand Nationals were 240 horse or thereabouts, if memory serves. And they, they were healthy. They ran yeah. well. The GNX was reputed to be 276 horsepower, which in 87 was pretty heavy duty when your standard issue Corvette was putting out 240. Whoa. Yeah. A, a Buick two-door? Yeah, doing more a than- Buick two-door. 
and pretty healthy dose of torque. And uh, according to hotcars.com, they ran a, a 12.7 quarter at 113. Now, somewhere somebody's fibbing. <laughs> Either they were lying big about horsepower, and I will explain why. Okay. okay. They were lying big about horsepower or somebody's fudging on their quarter mile times. You know I own a bright red 2005 GTO. Yeah. Those are 400 horse, 400 pound-feet of torque, minus bone stock. I haven't done anything to it. Listen, 400 horse is plenty. Yeah. It will move you quickly. I've ridden in it. Yes, it does. Yes, it scoots right along. And they say that thing ran a 13 flat quarter. So a GNX with 276 ran three-tenths of a second quicker than mine. Granted, the GNX was a little bit lighter, but not by much, like 100 pounds. So, so perhaps the horsepower um, numbers were uh, a skosh low. Yeah, yeah. There's the like GMs never <laughs> lied about horsepower ever, never, ever, never. Uh, Chevelle LS6 comes to mind instead of Corvette L88s. How much horsepower on that? It's about a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, only 547 GNXs. Now, I've never gotten a chance to drive one. I've driven a few Grand Nationals, and they are quick. They're snappy. Yeah. But never had a chance to drive a GNX. I have reviewed a couple for magazines, you know, finding them at sales and stuff like that. But uh, the GNX, uh, the Grand National, the regular one, is healthy. GNXs. <laughs> well, and the Grand Nationals, were they actually plentiful? Or were those also, you know, they, there weren't were, that many? There weren't that many, but they were, I mean, they only made 547 of the GNXs. Those things were super rare. Yeah. And dealers charged a, a healthy premium oh, for those. Yeah. Uh, there were there were reports of some dealers who were getting 75 grand for them. In 87? 1987 dollars. Damn. 1987 dollars. <laughs> for I re- a Buick. I remember my dad. 87 dr- Buick. <laughs> I remember my, my dad bought an 87 Corvette convertible, and I don't think the Sticker on that thing was, was over 32. Yeah. <laughs> so 75 was Off a ton line. of jack Damn. for that particular car. But uh, the other thing with the GNX, 360 pound-feet of torque. Jesus. Which is an extraordinary amount, especially then. I think the only other thing that was putting out torque numbers like that were Callaway Corvettes. So anyway, a uh, really neat article. They cover an awful lot of uh, Grand National and GNX lore. Uh, who wound up with what and all the options that came on them and everything else. Now, the, one of the things from that article I thought was really kind of funny and cool was that everybody who bought one of these got a designer jacket. Oh, yeah. Let's get a satin jacket. <laughs> with the GNX logo. Pardon me. Now, most of those are gone. But uh, it, according to this thing, uh, some of the jackets that are in mint condition are getting like $4,000. I believe it. I'm surprised it didn't come with some kind of Darth Vader disco ball or something else. <laughs> Uh, like I said, 1987, I love you. And I I may be wrong here. I don't remember exactly. It was either the GNX or the uh, 96 Chevy Impala SS. You know, they only did three, uh, three years on that, 94, 5, and 6 on yeah. those. But one of them had a print ad somewhere that said the script for it. It was a great shot of the car, three-quarter facing you, uh, a little bit elevated, like some fog behind it and dark lighting oh, and that nice. sort of thing. Oh, yeah. And the script said, Lord Vader, your car is waiting. <laughs> I could be wrong. I could just be making that up in my head, but that, for, that sticks out in my mind. I think that, that ad is right. out there somewhere. 
Anyway, really, really cool article at hotcars.com. You need to go look that up. If you've got any interest in Grand Nationals at all, they cover an awful lot of history there. Very, very good read. Uh, you were talking about foot-pounds of torque, and this uh, this might open your eyes up a little bit here. Uh, Mustang, Mustang Cobra Jet 1400 Drag Racer. It's a whole new horsepower world for Ford Performance. I got this from uh, musclecarsandtrucks.com. Uh, Ford built a new one-off dragster. Now, they already have, you know, a co- Cobra Jet da- dragster, sure. uh, two or three of them. This one-off version does the quarter in the low eights at Gee, 170 man. miles per hour. That's cooking. And the 1,400 in the name of it, that's for the 1,400 horsepower with 1,100 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, they didn't have to reinforce that frame, none. <laughs> no, that's like getting a tonsillectomy. For free, because everything's shoved back and cut Retina off. Retina flattening. Oh my God! It's one of it's uh, their fastest one yet. It beats the supercharged 5.2 liter Cobra Jet that finished the quarter in the mid eights at 150 miles per hour, about a half second slower than the new, uh, which was about half second slower than this new dragster. So you say the new, uh, okay, Mark. So that happened, yeah. And what's the dealio? What makes this different is this new dragster is electric. Good lord! It's an electric dragster that they did how many nine volts you got to stick in that thing? <laughs> oh my god can you imagine the weight it'll stay on the ground i i i well with that much torque i bet it could still pop a wheelie but my god the amount of, well you no wait think about it you got a quarter mile you only have to go a quarter mile this thing doesn't have to go you know uh, two or three hundred miles on a charge it's got to go what a half a mile quarter mile down quarter mile back <laughs> That's it. So uh, maybe it's lighter than I would think it would be. Now the uh, any word on whether or not it gets any regenerative power from the breaking it down at the end? Oh my God! Can you imagine? <laughs> or maybe there's a little wheel when the chute pops out in the back and it just you know. Anyway, uh, you remember the friction racers yeah, you used to be I'm able to get? <laughs> what was that crash up derby ring and just pull? Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> looks like Ford's trying to get us to like the new electric Mustangs. I think you know part of this. I think it's actually really cool that they can do this. And I watched a couple of videos on YouTube uh, of it. They were teaser vid- videos, mm-hmm. and it's. I, I I miss the sound of the explosions happening in a big piece of metal. There's that. There's there's a certain magic that goes along with knowing you're going deaf. Yeah, that height. It's got a high pitched whine to it. But just the fact of the power. I'm like, you know what? I maybe this is the new paradigm, and and dudes like us in another, you know, forty, fifty years, yeah. it's going to be ten year olds now who are going, you know, listen to that sound. I just love the sound of that wine. I miss that because mm-hmm. you know, from when it, it's their age, they're just going to transport themselves. Yeah, you know, point four seconds. Well, that or you get the you get the Jetson car. <laughs> That's all you're going to have. You know, I thought of something while you were telling me about that and, and talking about not having the engine sound in either. You know, you know who this is going to be worst for, don't you? Uh-uh. Roadkill. Oh, my God. Little critters. Nobody's going to hear it coming. It's just going to be whoosh smack. I, every vehicle will come as part of uh, the modern convenience. We'll have the little whistle things, mm-hmm. the deer whistles. Yeah, it, it'll it'll be screaming in Walt Disney's oh, voice. No, Bambi, horror? not now. <laughs> <laughs> Ford Performance teamed up with MLE race cars to design, build, and integrate and tune the Mustang Jet 1400. 1400. Watson Engineering provided chassis support development as well as roll cage. Mm-hmm. AEM EV provided software, motor calibration, and controls. And that part bothers me also because, you know, it's all about 
it, it's going to be really smart people. Yeah. Well, not us. Yeah. Yeah. It's not me. I can't go up and go, wow, that sounds good. You yeah, cam that up. No. Nope. Go home and wrench on my bike. And uh, Bill Ford Jr. already hinted at a production Mustang coupe powered by batteries. So Rushbrook could be hinting at Ford performance. We'll have some involvement with that car. We can only hope. Because if you're going to have a Mustang electric, for the love of God, do not make it like that Mach-E that we saw. The four-door, I wanted to shoot myself. Not even kidding a little bit. I got a press release from Ford today oh. about the Mach-E. Oh, bless their pee-picking heart. Yeah, well, it didn't make this show. <laughs> Please tell me my baby's pretty. It no, didn't, no. Didn't make no another show, neither. <laughs> <laughs> so at least I, I think that's kind of cool that they have an electric dragster that can go hella fast. We'll see where it goes. However, while I'm on the topic, I want to thank everybody at Ford. You've been really, really good to me. The electric stuff. Yeah, if it goes really fast like this, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty cool on that. There are a few you, other things. You know what else is going to be cool about that? The only other thing I can think of that's going to be cool, everybody who ever thought, I want to move away from this road that runs behind my house because it was quiet when we moved in here and it's not quiet anymore. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. The backwoods hot yeah, it just Oh, that's it, just joy. Yeah, he's going to 110. Oh, that's yeah, good. ain't no thing. Well, we we had so many people, that little bridge that's kind of over behind our house. Kids used to come down and and hook the U at the intersection, come back and use the line on that bridge to take off and race. And Friday nights were kind of fun. You could have a beer, sit in your bedroom, watch all the kids race down the street. Now you're not even going to be able to hear them. (laughs) It's just not right, Merck. Get off my lawn with your damn electricity. (laughs) You bad guy, kids, riding kids, you damn batteries. Back in my day. (laughs) <laughs> i hear you it's all get old <laughs> well the uh, uh classic muscle cars you know we we've talked about them a lot because we love them there are i, I found on an on, online article from journal.classiccars.com they had an interesting one about six classic muscle cars from south of the equator now i hadn't really thought about uh, I, I, I'm sorry, South America. I love you. I love your food. I love your music. Mm. And I just hadn't really thought about your cars. We love your 900-foot Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we have a fairly large one in uh, Eureka Springs, Arkansas now. Oh, really? Big square cement Jesus down there? Uh, oh, sir, you should you Big should go square there. cement Jesus. Oh, yeah. He's big and square and then aren't stretched out kind of like in Brazil, except he looks uncomfortable. Does that it's go a, with the giant uh, cross outside of Amarillo and the other one in Illinois somewhere? Bada bing, bada boom, baby. <laughs> it's just like Brazil, except not. Except not. Uh, this... this <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> so off the rails. <laughs> Every week, yeah. You can go ahead and mark this right here. <laughs> Two-thirds of the way in, it's like, ah, oh, damn, there she went. <laughs> Somebody get a tow rope. We, um, reading through this, um, some of the cars, there's South America, and this does mention like one or two in Austra- Australia, but they, and even some of these companies are gone, Holden in mm. Australia, while well, some continue this day, but they were building stuff in South America. And these six models that they picked, I thought were really interesting because it's kind of like some of the uh, Canadian Fords, especially from the fifties. When you look at them, you're like, "That's a Ford. That's that's not. That's a Ford." Mm-hmm. It's like you're looking at kind of a the twin who had just a slight nose job. <laughs> so <laughs> let's take a peek at some of these. 
<laughs> she almost looks like she belongs in that yeah, family. Almost. Almost. It's 1976 Chevrolet Opala SS. This was in Brazil. It was built on the German Opel Record Series C platform. Yeah, I was going to say Opel was GM's uh, European subsidiary. Uh-huh. So it looks like they took Opel and kind of crammed it into Impala. <laughs> I know, right? And we got the Opala. <laughs> they made sweet love and had this ugly car. Mm. And uh, it, it has a straight six. Uh, they, and they developed into a 250S version, has higher compression, mechanical lifters, two-barrel Weber-style carburetor, two-barrel from Zenith. What the hell? What the hell? Great TVs back in the day, but damn. it's It's got a vertical hold screw on the back of it. So this thing was knocking down 195 uh, uh, horsepower. Now, one of the interesting things as we go through here, uh, you're, you might hear a little bit of about compression ratios, and you're like, that's really low. The thing was down in... Crappy gas. Yeah. They, they just had really gas. bad... Octane level was so low mm-hmm. that it didn't even qualify as economy grade in the U.S. Yeah. So, you know, they had to make do with what they had. I wouldn't use this to start my grill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had a 1972 Ford Maverick GT. Now, Ford uh, was using the Mar- Maverick to carry its prestige down in uh, Brazil, and Brazil was at kind of hot about uh, motorsports in 1972, and the Opala SS had become king of the racetracks. You're kidding. I made fun of it, but the thing was kicking some ass. So uh, Ford moved quickly, created the fastest car sold in Brazil at the time. The Maverick GT was, uh, they put a 302 V8 in it with a four-barrel Holly carb, <laughs> Iskandarian, whatever the hell that is. Iskadarian. Uh, Iskadarian. Iskadarian. Is it, it, isn't that the dude with uh, the, Kams. he's got the little bitty uh, thing on his back that he's saving? Yeah, on, his on cousin rang a bell. Yeah, <laughs> funny. Um, so 270 degree camshaft, li- solid lifters, and for Brazil, a high compression ratio at 8.5 to 1. 8.5 to 1. And it went 0 to 60 in 7.8 seconds. 8.5 to 1. You're kidding me. Yeah. That's lawnmower compression. <laughs> Top speed of 124 miles per hour. Wow! And it was uh, it was winning races. You know, my brother-in-law had a uh, a Ford uh, Maverick when he was squiring my sister. Bright yellow, canary yellow with a 302 in it, and some of those little uh, humpy hills down there in uh, southern Missouri. I bet uh, that yeah. was fun. Yeah, he he took uh, her little brother out with him for a little fun ride, and it was like, oh dang, this is a cool car. My cousin Amy had the Mercury version, the Comet. Oh, God, yeah. And it was exactly the shade of green you'd think. Yep. With two bullet holes in the driver's side fender. Bullet holes? Bullet holes in the driver's side front fender. Well, if it could survive that, it could survive anything. Well, it came from my grandfather. God only knows where it started. (laughs) And it smelled like uh, uh, wrong whiskey. It smelled like something. 1971 Dodge Charger. Now, this one we've talked about a little bit. Uh, It was Mm dart-based. 1971, but it was a dart. But they had a swept-back C-pillar like the U.S. 1968 Charger, but it was still a dart. So it was an ugly dart. Nice. 318 uh, with the uh, uh, two-barrel carb, dual exhaust, 8.5 to 1 compression. And it it had 215 horsepower at 4,400 RPM. Uh, Yeah, four-speed transmission. And in 79, Chrysler sold off its interest in Brazil to Volkswagen, who continued to make it for two more years. I'm sure they did. And then said, yeah, you must die. All right. Well, you know, we had a couple of Australians in here that uh, Ford XY Falcon GT, uh, kind of an interesting looking critter. You see yeah. those with some Australian cars. They always look like uh, – well, maybe somebody in the family slept with somebody else in the family. <laughs> it's like it's like AMC's uh, a Javelin, 
Except smooshed. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like, uh, yeah, smooshy. It was smooshy. Yeah, smooshy. <laughs> the great thing about Australia was uh, Ford and Holden down there wound up having a lot of cars that looked like they were close to what we got here, but they weren't. No. And the Australians are crazy. <laughs> I I have several Aussie friends. Yeah, that's why we love uh, them, man. Russ and Sandy and, and Steve and, and you everybody. You did what with that? Hi. That's cool. Yeah, they're all nuts. They're they're all nuts. They're fun, but they are crazy. The front and, end on that thing too. That grill looks like a, a bad Pontiac because mm-hmm. uh, it has that split in the middle that Pontiac had there in the late sixties. Sure, and it just. It doesn't. It's they did some strange things down there. It's very odd. Uh, the Hold Monaro GT three fifty GTS three fifty, uh, another pretty potent car down there. Two hundred seventy five horse Chevy three fifty, uh, six and a half zero to sixty and a fifteen two quarter in the seventies. Not too bad. No. And the Hold Monaro continued on for years and years and years to eventually become the donor car for my 05 Aww. GTO. So that was so, kind of close to your heart. Yeah, yeah, cool car. The uh, 1969 uh, IKA Torino Coupe. This was in Argentina. Mm. Uh, it stood for Industrious Kaiser Argentina. So it was in, uh, a, a joint venture with U.S. Kaiser Motor Company, who were making Jeeps at the time. Wow. And it was a kind of a restyled Rambler. <laughs> I know. It, it just keeps twisting. Who it knew? just keeps getting different. They, uh, the people from Jeep said, let's go to Argentina and build a Rambler. Hell yeah. You know, let's when go. I, when I first saw this, honest to God, I misread it. I thought it said Ikea. Uh, I thought so, too. I thought the furniture guys sent you a snap-tight car. Here, put this together. <laughs> and what did they name it? The Torino. No. No, it doesn't look like a Torino. <laughs> Six-cylinder engine with a new uh, block cast for performance. All kinds of, like, seven bearings, seven main bearings, high-flow cylinder wow. head. Yada, yada. 215 horsepower. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting, interesting stuff. So the, uh, you know, all of this, I, I, I still love them. Even the ones that I think are kind of butt-ugly. I still think it's cool, and for if anyone happens to own one of these things, you know, respect. Oh, hey, send us a picture. <laughs> oh send my us a God, picture. I if you got anything that. like this, send us a picture. We'd love to see your your weird little car, and we will tell you your baby's beautiful. Oh, of course, we well, promise. They they are, and besides, <laughs> if you got one, it's probably got creakers or something on it. Hell yeah! <laughs> now, if you want leaks to these stories and more, you can find them on our blog at Road Muscle Radio. Coming up in our second segment, Susie Bowder tells us how to rock the autocross track in a dragon wagon that's so nerdtastic. It'll rock your cute oh, crew socks off. Awesome, man. It's it a is wagon. Sweet. Stick around. More Road Muscle Radio is coming up. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. You can find us on the web at roadmuscleradio.com, on Twitter at Road Muscle Radio, and on Facebook. Now, if you know somebody we should talk to or just an interesting story about a vehicle, a car, an old car lot, anything, we love it. We love talking cars. Send it to send us an email at driver at roadmuscleradio.com. We'll see about having your person or your story uh, up for an interview. Now, speaking of interviews, Brett, you have found gold, in, well, gold here. It's I, wonderful. I cannot take full credit for this. I put the blame on our good friend, Ped Watt. Ah, Ped's the hookup. Uh, he had a chance to shoot this car. He's been on me forever to get her on the show. He says, you got to talk to this lady. Uh, we have Susie Bowder with us. Uh, Susie has a car that's been uh, affectionately dubbed the Flare Witch Project. <laughs> 
which I love, by the way. I have talked to the uh, – uh, it was on another podcast I did a while ago. Talked to the uh, director of Blair Witch Project. And he's just the nicest guy ever. Yeah, so, he needs to see this car. I'm in the big win on this one. This he is needs to see this. Cool. Susie began her automotive journey as a high school auto shop student. And as so often happens, one car nerd begets another. And Susie <laughs> married Rodney, an automotive suspension engineer. Susie became an autocross racer and started competing with Rodney in his race prep Camaro. And soon enough, she wanted a car of her own. And thus, her Boy. search began. Now, Susie, welcome to Road Muscle Radio. Firstly, what made you want a wagon for an autocross car? Well, what better way to prove you're a great driver if you can autocross a station wagon? <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. I had a buddy who had a 72 Toyota uh, station wagon, and this was when we were teenagers in southern Missouri, and he, he drove that like a bat out of hell. <laughs> I have seen that on yeah. two wheels I before. I one of those cars. Oh, it was amazing. Now, he did kind of redesign the uh, suspension a couple of times, so uh, 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 radically. Upon and, returning to Earth? Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it's really not meant to be up on two wheels for a, a distance, but uh, it was an amazing yeah. vehicle. So this thing, and the uh, yeah, we'll, get, we'll talk about that because I'm already like, put the car in the car. Yeah, yeah, you're into it. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Susie, what made you pick a wagon? What made you pick a Wrangler well, wagon? <laughs> okay, well, a wagon, I started out with a wagon. And being an autocrosser already, I knew it had to be a small wagon. Okay. Um, and I thought what I really, really wanted was a Falcon, a Ford Falcon wagon. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Grown up, my dad was a Falcon guy. We had two doors, four doors. Uh, we even had a wagon at one point. Um, and, you know, I don't know. It, wagons just came into popularity about the, it seemed like about the time I thought I wanted a wagon. Yep. And I was living in Northern California at the time and um, started looking for this Falcon wagon. And it just it was ridiculous what people wanted you to yeah. pay for them. And I found one out, literally out in the middle of a field. It had all the glass shot out of it. I think it had been in that field for 20 years. Oh. And um, the guy said, oh, yeah, I'll sell it to you for five grand. <laughs> <laughs> you could pay that to me to take it out of your field, but <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> right. Right. So therein lies the search for an alternative to a Falcon wagon. And um, I, I, you know, I looked at Corvair uh, I looked at um, the really, you know, there's not a lot out there that's that that similar size wagon. You know, you can get into the Datsuns um, for sure, but, you know, Datsuns are not cheap. <laughs> not anymore. And, and even Volvos. Yeah, yeah. Not, not at all anymore. Um, and so I, I just literally stumbled upon this wagon on Craigslist. And um, it, it had what I was looking for, so we hooked up the trailer and headed up in hopes that the it was what, you know, was advertised, which was a wagon <laughs> <laughs> motor and trans in the back seat, back seat um, <laughs> that had, it was the second owner hadn't been driven. And I think it was 10 years at that point. So you're saying it was a mid engine wagon. Nice. Sort of. Yeah. Uh, Kind of. No, it wasn't a mid-engine. It was just the engine was in the back. <laughs> the, the engine was exactly. in the middle of it, but it wasn't a mid-engine. Oh, dog on yeah. it. I thought you'd found yeah. magic. Yeah, no. no. It was a flathead six with a, a little three-speed transmission that's about the size of a shoebox. Exciting. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we got there, I looked at it and I thought, I think this is it. And, you know, it was $700. Oh, and, that's a good there you and go. The guy, and the guy ran into uh, his house to get me a case of eight track tape so that I could <laughs> use the eight track tape. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Is it still in there? No. Oh, <laughs> It's you got to wonder if any of those would have still worked. You know, I've had milk last longer than market. eight tracks. Yeah, <laughs> it was aftermarket, and it was all, it was kind of. It was not right. <laughs> <laughs> so once you got it home and got it off the trailer, how long did the build take? Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, truth be told, it was off and on for about five years. And then um, I kind of started to put my foot down and said, we got to get serious about this. And about the time we got really serious with it, we found out we were going to move. Oh, <laughs> so, no. We were moving across the country. So um, it had to be all put back together again to be able to haul, get hauled out from Northern California to Indiana. Yeah, those U-Haul and, boxes uh, just don't come quite yeah, to the size of a fender. One step forward, two <laughs> steps back. Oh, yeah, it was definitely. And and many, many boxes of parts and, and all that. So. Uh. We got it to Indiana, started taking it apart again, and then found out we were moving to Tennessee. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. By the time we got to Tennessee, neither one of us was real, real interested. But um, we'd been fortunate enough to have a couple of sponsors uh, on the Camaro. Oh. And one of those sponsors said, hey, we really like what your idea is for this car. When could you have it done? Oh, Okay. said, well, probably, you know, next year, if we really put our minds to it, we could probably do it next year. Hey, well, put your mind to it and let's talk. Well, six months later, turned into, um, we'd like to put you in the cannons, uh, see my booth. No. So, <laughs> oh, my God. So my little, what was going to be my little purpose built race car um, wasn't going to be pretty, per se, turned into a SEMA car. Which, as you can imagine, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a different. All right, thing so completely. now you got a deadline, and you're going to SEMA, so you also have a standard to kind of live up to. How yeah. tough was it to build a completely custom Wrangler wagon ready for SEMA? Yeah, well, that was about an eighteen month process, um, and we had a couple of changes midstream. Um, based upon people who wanted to come on board to sponsor, as well as um, coming to the realization that we really wanted the rear suspension to be different. Um, but how tough is it? Well, I will tell you that starting with a cheap platform is not the easy way <laughs> to build a race car. <laughs> you, mean, you mean it wasn't already prepped? <laughs> Just well, well, ready and, and waiting? Let's, let's talk about aftermarket parts. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, right? I, I'm guessing there's not tons of aftermarket parts for Rambler wagons. Yeah, for 63 Rambler Americans. I'm going to so far as to say there's like uh, almost zero. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of stock replacements and NOS parts, but... Uh, not not so much on the performance side of it. So that first off, I mean, because it was my race car, first off that we made a decision, we were going to base it upon a known platform. So the first choice was a Miata. We were actually going to put a Miata under it because we knew we could get a crap ton of 
performance parts, right? All the SCCA guys run Miatas. That is small enough, the, that wagon. And I'm looking at it. It's, yeah. There are four doors. And it's small yeah. enough to fit on a Miata platform? Yeah. Oh, my it has God. A, we, we lengthened it to a 100-inch wheelbase. <laughs> I, I was going to say, there's a, there's a torch involved here somewhere. <laughs> That's yeah. fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. We never had so much use for a plasma cutter as we did. <laughs> a Harbor Freight's our best friend. <laughs> so, so what yeah. you put under so, it? So um, we determined that, and we happen to have one already, a first-gen Camaro front subframe would fit. And it does. It fit within, like, about an inch. There was, like, 0. 0.60 inches on each side. Wow. That, um, that we just had to mold. Because it's a unibody car. So all we had to do was just get it into the side rails, right? Okay worked it, it worked great it fit really really well she's already done but, more cool stuff than we have that's wicked <laughs> i i hadn't really realized that the, the whole sub sub body there's a camaro under there well it gets even better well originally i had the whole flathead six rebuilt so because i was a when i first started building this car i was a beginner autocrosser right oh yeah i didn't need a bunch of horsepower i just needed it to be nimble enough to get me around the autocross for a year or so right right I started racing the Camaro with all 450 horsepower and pretty quickly I knew that flathead six was not going to cut it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was going to be pretty lucky if I got 70 horsepower. Mama needs speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to sound like a little golf cart going around yeah, the track. A very so, angry bee. <laughs> so then that became an LS swap, which oh made sense because God. we already knew how to get the LS into the first gen Camaro, right? Right. Because we already did it on our car. Well, it was going to be an LS swapped with the first gen Camaro front subframe and suspension and, and all those goodies. And then a four link in the rear. Started build, rebuilding the rear end and looking at, you know, okay, we've got to have a posse in there. What, what are we going to do? Watts link? Are we going to torque arm? Not the four link. You know, you start juggling all these things and you start realizing, okay, well, the dollars are adding up pretty quick because yeah. I'm not, I'm not wealthy. I, I look like I drive a car that costs a lot of money, but you know, there's, there's a lot of junkyard dogging going on with that. <laughs> Rodney being the suspension geek, he starts doing some measuring and he realizes that we can fit a fifth gen Camaro independent rear suspension. <laughs> oh my so, God. That is how it led us to eight and a half inch fender flares because now the car <laughs> is a hundred inch wheelbase with an 80 inch track width. <laughs> oh my God. Susie races a Rubik's cube. <laughs> I do. That's yeah. fantastic. So, I just thought you did not. that cause it's freaking cool. Well, well, it, yeah, is. well <laughs> it is, but it's useful. Cool. It's, it's all purpose built. So when, you know, and, and yes, it's cool, but let me tell you, Let's not forget, that's a four-door wagon. Those fender flares go into the door. They do, quite a bit. You want to talk about our challenge? Holy moly. <laughs> we did, this is a 100% home-built car, except for a couple of things. The final paint. And, and the, the paint on it looks flares. terrific. Oh, yeah, that, it really does. Yeah. Well, white on blue. That's, yeah, that's John Lindstrom all the way. He painted it at Best of Show in California, um, and he did all the prep in my garage in Thompson Station, Tennessee. But look at um, that. Look how far that radius cuts into the door on that thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, insane. 
Oh my God. It's getting down to the wire and we've been staring at those doors <laughs> trying to figure out how to do that flare. I know I'm looking and, at it. The yeah, flare is so part of the door. Yeah, it is part of the door. And it, it's originally part of the door. The wheel well goes into the door. I mean, it's a short little car and you got four doors. <laughs> you got to put it somewhere, right? So I'm at, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky at the NSRA event where um, I help run autocross there um, way in the back. And I drive a BFG share the ride car. And we have a traditional group that always goes to that event. And we always go to the same restaurants every year. And we're sitting at the Japanese steakhouse having dinner. And I sidle up to my friend, Rob McGregor, who runs No Limit Engineering. He's known for doing uh, big C10 truck chassis and F100 and 250 chassis for basically race trucks, performance trucks, I should say. So I sidle up to him and I make sure he's had a couple of beers. (laughs) Here we go. You're all right. You're all right. (laughs) I drop the bomb. And uh, here's the cool thing about when you work with someone who's a master fabricator and an engineer by training and, and school, he never saw the car until I think it was PRI after 2018, after 2017 at SEMA. Never saw the car in person. I sent him photographs with sewing tape measures taped to the side of the car at every angle I could think of. So to the ground, to the bottom of the car, the width, the height, all of that, right? For both the front and the rear, I sent him about, I don't know, 15, 20 pictures. And um, it wasn't, but about two and a half weeks later, I was driving up to outside of Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, Dandridge to No Limit Engineering, and I picked up my fender flares. That's insane. That's somebody's good. Fabbed up and ready to go. I mean, not only is he such a dear friend for doing it for me, because we were running out of budget at that point, too. Yeah. He stepped up to the plate big time. (laughs) It was way beyond our pay grade. So how did you become so skilled at doing this? Um, Well, as you mentioned, I took auto shop in high school. Um, I already knew how to sew and cook. So, you know, (laughs) they make sure you take electives. And I was allergic to wood dust, so I couldn't take wood chop. So I went to auto shop and, uh, you know, I've always loved, I've always enjoyed vehicles, um, cars. You know, I was the girl who had not only, you know, you cut out pictures of magazines as a girl, I, I had a Porsche 924 and a Porsche 928 <laughs> on my bulletin board. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was a car girl. And in high school, I knew darn well, I wanted a first gen Camaro at some point. I, oh. I ended up driving a 78 Camaro at that point. So I, it was just always in me. It was always. You see, and I'm know. so jelly of that because uh, I was the idiot thespian and it's hard to be a redneck thespian. It just wasn't working well in <laughs> Southern Missouri. <laughs> Trying to write well, I was, poetry. I was a, I was an AP student, so I was not I was not just in the auto shop with the grease monkeys, but I did have to to study. And what yonder light breaks, y'all? Y'all <laughs> don't even say that, yeah, man. I, I did that. Redneck. I can't say that. <laughs> so it, uh, I, I have nothing but props and respect for people who who thought about you know, at least a little into the future, and part of their inclination was to go ahead and do this and learn these skills because my God, they're so valuable. You you built this amazing vehicle. I'm looking at shots of it right now, by the way, on uh, HotRod.com, and it's Susie Bowder's oh, yeah. show, Stopping Auto. Amazing. And, you know, right now I'm looking at that. I could, I want to eat off of your engine bay because it's That's so one of those things that sounds yeah. dirty, but isn't. <laughs> it's that LS with us, and it just, and the colors, and oh, 
It's it's a You're beautiful. Smitten, dude. I am, dude. Oh, You're smitten. Are you kidding me? This thing's gorgeous. It's a Rambler, baby. Well, Susie, the car looks amazing, and you got it done uh, for semen. Oh wow, look at that interior. That's, I know the camel with the blue. Yeah. That's oh. beautiful. Yeah, it's Washington. That's PPG Washington blue, um, and uh, that's a the roof is a white suede. It's a Ford fleet color. Nice. That that's gorgeous. Was the car? Has it been? competitive oh yeah 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 have you taken it on track great question um the car is very competitive the driver on the other hand has has you know i think in the beginning i'm not sure how much i trusted it um it's very very capable i mean uh, along with having a 100 inch wheelbase and an 80 inch track width it's a like a 49 and a half 50 and a half weight balance. So I'm just about 50-50. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's on par with a Corvette as far as that goes. It weighs uh, 3,100 pounds, give or take. You're kidding. Um, yeah. And Ooh, that's so it's, light. It's, it's, it's got everything it needs to be competitive. It's got about 350 horsepower. Um, and I just, I, we had some bugs to work out the first year. So the first year I raced, it was 2018. And I was still kind of showing it too to try and live up to some sponsor obligations. So right. I was trying really hard to kind of keep it not too trashed. So yeah, I mean, we had bugs to work out. The seat wasn't really in the right position. I was a little bit high and a little too close. Uh, and those are all things that make you not necessarily as a driver being competitive. But I've had other people drive the car and they and they've done really well. And Rodney drove the car at an Optima event at uh, the Corvette Museum track. And it did great. It did fantastic. So it's just me, I think, getting used to trashing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so hard. It's so pretty. I mean, it's like a, it's like taking a Christmas yeah. ornament and using it as a toy almost because it's just yeah. perfectly functional yeah. and beautiful, but oh, so pretty. Speaking of yeah. uh, sponsorship obligations, how did you get this thing to SEMA twice? Oh, gosh. I wish I, I kind of w- – I've asked a couple of media friends and I, I wish somebody could tell that story because I really don't know. Um, I will tell you, <laughs> I will start by telling you that pulling up your open trailer after finishing the car on Sunday and getting it to Vegas Sunday night from San Diego where we finished it and then pulling up to SEMA on Monday morning on your open trailer, your home built Rambler station wagon. We literally had to look at one another and I said, no matter what happens, and I even get a little bit choked up because no matter what happens, we're going to hold our head high because we got here. You know, how many garage home builders get that opportunity, get that recognition, you know? So regardless of what people say, we're going to hold our head high because we got here. Damn it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) so um, I was fortunate enough to have my buddies on the big red Camaro rig actually pulling right next to us. And they were all over the car and they were so happy for us. And that gave me a little bolstered my confidence just a little bit. You know, our relationship with Spectre Performance K&N got us there the first time. The second time was really a fluke. Hot Wheels was doing their 50th anniversary tour. And I, I read somebody's blog or something and I thought, well, that would be fun. I, you know, my car would show well at a Hot Wheels because I'm not a car show person. It would show well. I think that'd be good. That'd be kind of fun, right? Right. So we get our invitation. You had to write in and they invite you. And we get up early and we got up to Nashville 
and we're there, you know, six o'clock in the morning and a bunch of fifth gen Camaros and new Corvettes are pulling in. We're like, ah, we got this. This is awesome. (laughs) Okay. Well then the big dogs start pulling in with their trailers and out come what earnestly look like Hot Wheels cars. I mean, glitter painted Uh blowers out the hood, you know, what you would typify as a 60s or a 70s Hot Wheels car, right? Right. Outlandish. And then we're like, wah, wah. So we managed to, to get through the show and, and it was super, super hot and super humid and you're in a Walmart parking lot. And let me tell you, if you ever have the opportunity to show your car in a Walmart parking lot, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had real good luck with Walmart parking lots. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because you can only imagine, and I, nothing on Walmart. I shop at Walmart. Yep. I live in a small town. I shop at Walmart. It's not a place where people are accustomed to being around cars that are worth a lot of money. No. Oh. And that's not even to say my car is worth a lot of money. But at that point, I wasn't willing to let people with dogs on leashes and strollers and purses and small children. It was nerve wracking. Oh, I'll bet you've had to be on guard the whole time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No one, no one took their eyes off their car. And there were some things that happened that were like, Oh God, I don't even know what I would do if that happened to me. So did Hot Wheels make a version of your car? They did not. The judges came by and we actually thought we were out of it because the judges came by and they said, "Um, has this car been to SEMA before? And I said, yeah, it was, it was at SEMA last year. And that we knew that was part of the prize was to go to SEMA. And uh, so we thought, okay, well, that's cool. We did it. It's cool. Right. You know, a great experience, whatever. Well, not great experience, but good experience. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah. So then they, when they announced my name, I honestly, I was dumbfounded. I, uh, I didn't even know what to think. And then the prize was they paid for the car to get to SEMA a second time and oh, wow. we were on display there was 15 of us on display um in the in the hot wheels booth outside next to the skid pad out in front of sema which is another place you never want to park your car mm. oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the grit that comes off that skid pad and the oh, tire goo wow. and then uh, yeah it was exhausting the real question is how do you as a home builder with a rambler how do you get to SEMA twice? How does that how does that happen? So you hook up with Hot Wheels and you have hood yeah. Well, the first thing you do is you you put blood, sweat, and tears. Oh my god, yeah. Into the build and you build an incredible looking car that people are just blown away by. Yeah, and we have a good story. You know, a husband and wife team who did it all at home. I, I think I think we have a great story. But I mean, truly, it's it's luck of the draw, I guess, being different. Being different, right know. time, right place. Oh, and yeah. Just like you said, man, spirit. Oh, absolutely. Spirit put into it. You built the car. You've raced the car. You've been to SEMA with it twice. It's stunning. It is jaw-droppingly oh, yeah. stunning. Oh, thank you. So what are your future plans for it? What are you going to do now? Now I'm really going to drive the crap out of it. <laughs> <laughs> You've got all the pretty prom pictures. Good now it's girl. time to get real good, good work. Girl. There we go. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously, what, what else could I do with the car? No, good on <laughs> you. Uh, we, we love it. We, I, as much as I hate oh. to say this, and I know the first one will break your heart, those flares better have all kinds of rock chips on them from oh, just yeah. I am, I am sponsored by Expel. 
<laughs> You're set. It's called, it has a coating of track wrap on it like you can't believe. Oh, good, good, good. Wow. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, the thing looks so much like uh, it keeps reminding me of like a, a mini Cooper that maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger designed. Yeah. Because yeah. just that's, yeah. that whole stance and that whole aggressiveness to it. it just. Uh, you always I wonder, can't. can I shoot steroids into my car? Yes, you actually can. What is the size of the meat on there? Those tires. How? What are those 60s? Steamroller. Around? They're, uh, those are 315s. Jeebus. So they're Chrysler. 18 315s. They're 10, up, 10 and a half inches wide. Looks like this. They almost passed the pinky test. God, that's amazing. Because <laughs> yeah, they do stick out a little bit from the so. flares. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the yeah. rear view on that, that thing has the sexiest hips. That it's, is... That is a great looking car. It really I've is. Been told it looks like a bulldog in the rear view. A little bit. Okay. A little bit. I can see that. Kind of up on its haunches, shoulders. <laughs> Ready to go. So are you planning to yeah. do another build? You gonna build something else or Oh gosh. I don't you know. You hit such after a home run SEMA, with this one. Well, after SEMA the first time I said, Oh hell no. <laughs> no. You know, we've we've always got something going. I have a 924. We met a guy at the Hot Wheels thing who builds a wide body kit for the 944, Porsche 944. And I have one of those sitting around that needs, needs a clutch. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't particularly want something that I can't just take to the supermarket. Which, <laughs> you know, oddly enough, I do take the Rambler to the supermarket. Well, heck yeah. That's I have the- a spot at Walmart where I where they let me park. I haven't looked lately, but last I looked, I think it has 17,000 miles on it. Nice. That's fantastic. That's what that's what you should be doing is driving it and enjoying it along with occasionally yeah. playing with it. I mean, it is, you know, meant to be driven in parking lots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the whole point was to drive some, to, to have something that I could drive to the track. Yeah. You know, I, could, I throw my cooler and my duffel bag in the back and I drive to the track. Susie, thank you so much for being with us. You built a hell of a car. That is, Thank you so the much. thing is gorgeous, and my goodness, you, you got some skills. Just absolutely amazing. I hope Hot Wheels builds a version of that. I'll certainly put one on my shelf. Amen. <laughs> they said they want to, but you never know, you know. Should you do anything else, we would love to see it. Yes, please. Okay. Well, we are working on, we're wide-bodying our 68 Camaro, so. Oh. Send us pictures. Oh, Send us pictures. You might, you, might you might see it at SEMA. Yes. Email those pictures to us. We'd yeah. be happy Driver to. Driver at RoadMuscleRadio.com. Yeah, we just want to keep up with the, uh, <laughs> want to keep up with the story. Susie, thank you so much for being with us. We do thank appreciate you. it. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great evening. Uh, it was great of her to come on the show and share her story with us. And thank you for sharing your time with us as we act about grease, gears, and cool car stuff. There's nothing like going on a fun ride, especially when you've got a good buddy to share it with. Thank you. Be sure to visit us on Facebook at Road Muscle Radio at RoadMuscleRadio.com and on Twitter. I'm Catfish Groves. And I am Brett Hatfield. We'll catch you down the road on Road Muscle Radio. <laughs>